Welcome to the teachings of the Renew Community. We are a family of Jesus followers seeking to be formed into the image of Christ and to join God in the renewal of all things. We meet together weekly in large gatherings and in house churches throughout Bucks and Montgomery counties. If you'd like more information on the Renew Community, feel free to check us out at www.renewcommunity.org. Yahweh, Yahweh, God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is the verse that we've been in a couple of months now, and so you've heard that uh, a number of times. Hopefully, it's not become boring for you, or maybe, as Dennis would say, maybe it is getting boring, because when it gets boring, that's when formation starts to happen, and hopefully these words are becoming more than just words, as they describe the heart and character of God. Uh, And... Even if you may be tired of hearing it, you're going to hear it at least six more times today. Uh, so I want to invite, I actually have six readers, um, Abby and Cindy and uh, Linda and Chris and Savannah and Chase. You all could come up. Uh, we're going to hear this, hear this verse uh, in six different translations, actually. So um, just invite you to, to listen uh, as, they, as they read. All right, we'll start down here. Chase, you ready to roll? The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. All right. Thank you. You all. I like how we had a Balecki sandwich up here. That was kind of cool too. Um, yeah. And, uh, what did you, what did you notice? We have a, a slide that has the versions that they were reading from, um, but anything stick out to anybody, anybody notice anything um, just as you listened to those words in different different translations. Mm, yeah. Yahweh, Yahweh. Uh, the Lord, the Lord. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. The New Living Translation. Yeah, I don't even think I noticed that. <clears throat> yeah, anybody else? 
one thing that uh, sticks out to me, and it's kind of the foundation of this whole teaching, so I had a head start. Uh, you may notice, for the most part, most of the attributes of God are pretty consistent in the wording. A few, few slight differences in, in some of them. But when you get to the, the fourth one, and we've talked about God being compassionate, God being gracious, God being slow to anger, and now we're moving to that fourth one. Notice that each one of those translations is different when it comes to that fourth one. And some of them are similar. Some of them feel maybe a little bit different. Uh, I actually was just did a, a quick survey of like 40 different translations. Um, and and what, what I noticed in looking at these 40 is that there's lots of differences. Um, <clears throat> so 17 times love shows up, but it shows up in eight different variations. So it's not just love, but there's a different variation on love. Um, but it also gets translated as goodness. Now, to be fair, that goodness, that number may be a little inflated as some of those translations were just updates of previous translations. And so there's some sometimes carryover in that. But, uh, but that's also translated kindness, compassion, mercy, faithfulness, grace. Uh, and so what's happening is I think that draws our attention that there's something unique here. There's something unique here and something that the English language can't quite fully grasp. Uh, one Bible scholar actually says that there's, there's no word in any language that does as much as the Hebrew word that is used here. <clears throat> uh, maybe, the, maybe the Jesus Storybook Bible has the best translation. Um, for those of you who love that great, great kids discipleship tool, great for adults too, um, if you haven't read it. Uh, but this is how the Jesus Storybook Bible tends to, to write about uh, this word. God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Sure, a mouthful, but I think it, it communicates something important. But even that can't quite grasp what is happening in this? And so maybe it's just better to use the Hebrew word. And that word may be familiar to some of you or maybe lots of you. Uh, if it's not, that's okay. You're going to learn about it today. That Hebrew word is hesed. And my pronunciation is, I'm going to not spit on anybody or try not to anyone, but um, that word is hesed. And it is a rich, dynamic Deep word, which makes sense because it's trying to grasp something of who God is and God's dynamic, rich, and deep character. And even this word can't fully do that, of course, but it does create a beautiful picture. And so as we dive into this word, I'd love to just look at uh, how some poets and some prophets and some apostles use this word to describe God. So first, our poet uh, from Psalm 36. Your hesed, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. I don't know 
when the last time was that you just stood outside and gazed up at the sky in wonder? The psalmist did this and said, oh, Your hesed, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice like the great deep. You, O Lord, preserve both people and animals. How precious is your hesed, O Lord. Vast reaches to the heavens and then how precious, how precious. Uh, Then we take a look at uh, a prophet. Uh, This is from the prophet Jeremiah in perhaps one of the most uncomfortable and difficult books in the Bible to read. In the midst of, I don't think our brains can actually fully grasp the circumstances and situation in which Jeremiah is writing. Devastation, destruction of people he loved, the city he loved, the country he loved. Horrible atrocities that he witnessed. Grieving and full of sorrow, and yet in the midst of these laments, he writes, Yahweh's hesed's indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yahweh's hesed's never cease. Clyde actually quoted this verse earlier. It said mercies, which is another translation of hesed in that. God's hesed is new every morning. If we take a look at some apostles now, this may have been a little bit of cheating on my part. The New Testament is written in Greek, uh, so it's not the Hebrew word, but if you'll allow me, the Greek, uh, many of the New Testament authors actually use another powerful word, agape, which is the best they could do. Uh, and agape is a pretty deep word too, but it was the best they could do um, to kind of capture this hesed. But if you allow me, I think if they were writing in Hebrew, they would have used uh, this Hebrew word in some of these passages. So this is from Ephesians three fifteen through 19. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in hesed, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the hesed of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Or in Romans eight thirty-seven through 39, but in all these things, and he's referring to tribulation, suffering, trials, hardship of life. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him, through Christ, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing 
will be able to separate us from the hesed of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I share those because those guys are better at sharing what hesed is than I can to get a picture of what this hesed might be. Uh, but if we look at all of these translations, all, the, all of the ways it's used throughout Scripture, I think um, I kind of came to like five things that I think are really, and, and there's probably more, um, but, but five kind of aspects or components of hesed that are really important for us to, to look at. One is that hesed is very tangible and practical, and it's also active. Okay, so it, uh, it is a verb. Uh, and so I think if I were to sum that up in one word, I would say it's kind. Um, it's kind. So it's tangible and practical. It's, it's meeting needs. And that's why a lot of translations use that word loving kindness, which that word was actually the first time it shows up is in an English Bible translation to try to capture this word, hesed, loving kindness. So it is kind. Second thing is that it's generous and benevolent, meaning it is focused on the good of the one who, to whom is it extended. It is generous and benevolent. So it is good. It is meant for the good of the other. Hesed is good. It is rooted in covenant. So hesed is committed, persistent. That's where we get these words like steadfast, unfailing, loyal. It is steadfast, persistent, committed love. It's rooted in covenant. And we see throughout scripture that God is entering into covenant with people. And God follows through on his end of the covenant every time. So hesed is strong and secure. Strong and secure. The next one is hesed is full of redemptive and restorative power. Uh, Actually, um, yeah, it was Martin Luther King Jr. I was reading a sermon of his that kind of helped me see this dimension of it. Uh, In his sermon, Loving Your Enemies, he writes, he says this, he says of Jesus telling us to love our enemies because love has within it a redemptive power. And there is a power there that eventually transforms individuals. You You can't really, really, truly encounter hesed without it impacting you in some sort of way and leading you into transformation. So hesed is transformative. And lastly, it's, it's rooted in affection. It's rooted in favor, in delight. It's not, it, it's, it's emotional. It's not just uh, duty uh, but it's rooted in affection and a favor and delight. So that's where we get this love. It's love. But not the watered-down love that we talk about in our culture. So if I were to, I don't know, 
I guess maybe rewrite the Jesus storybook Bible, which I have no desire to do because it's beautiful in many ways. But if I were to, to, to adapt theirs, let's say, Hesed is God's kind and good, strong and secure, transformative love. And I recognize that's a mouthful. Is God's kind and good, strong and secure, transformative love. And even that can't fully capture all of what's happening in his head. It's good and extravagant. It's simple and small. So even listening to all the kindnesses that you all named from Diane, those are small tastes of God's hesed. And what's astounding is that as deep and rich as that word is, even when God is speaking to Moses in this situation, you're like, yes, hesed, but it's not just hesed. I'm abounding in hesed. Abounding in hesed. And that just kind of boggles my mind. Because hesed already feels like it's abounding. All right, so I want to just... Yeah, maybe look at a few examples uh, in Scripture and, and from my own life of where I've seen Hesed. Um, <clears throat> the first, one of the first is the story of Jacob, and I think we've talked about Jacob a little bit recently in this series. Uh, but Jacob, um, he's, he's kind of a mess. He's a deceiver, uh, liar, a cheat, um, and yet, God still seems to be at work in his life. And Jacob comes to this point, and this is in Genesis 32.10, where he realizes that, yeah, he schemed his way to, to some maybe good things, but that's also caused him a lot of trouble. And he realizes all of what he has is actually because of God. And he says, I am unworthy of all the hesed and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. And throughout Genesis 27 through 48, the whole second half of the book, we can see this slow transformation of Jacob and these moments where God's hesed moves him, and he gets a glimpse of who God is and his character is changed. Uh, another story, uh, and actually our kids are learning this story upstairs. So if you've got kids upstairs today, you can have a great conversation with them about hesed. Uh, and this is David. And after Saul and Jonathan have died and David is anointed as king, David says... Is there anyone left from Saul's household that I can show God's hesed to? If you think about the story of how Saul and David had this great conflict, and yet David remains true, and he recognizes that God's anointing was on Saul as much of a mess as Saul may have been. And he looks around and he's saying, is there anyone left in his house that I can show God's hesed to? And, and uh, Jonathan, Saul's grandson, has 
Saul's son, Jonathan, has a son who is Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth, speaking of mouthfuls. And he's lame, and David says, all right, give him all of Saul's inheritance and give him a seat at my table. This is how I will demonstrate God's chesed to the house of Saul. And perhaps the most profound, I I think for me at least, as I read through scripture, the most profound example I see of chesed is the book of Ruth. And it is rich if you remember the story of Ruth. So Naomi has traveled with her husband and sons to a foreign land. And her sons marry. And then her husband and her sons die. And she's left with two daughters-in-law, one of whom is Ruth. And Naomi's saying, I got to go back home to my people. You go back home to your people. And Ruth demonstrates said to Naomi and says, no, I'm going with you. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. I will be with you. And throughout that story, Ruth is persistent in making sure that her mother-in-law is cared for. And it is ascribed to her as Hesed. And then Boaz comes into the story and he demonstrates Hesed as well. And Naomi has this moment where she realizes that all of the ways that Ruth has stood by her, persisted with her, has cared for her, is a demonstration of God's love for her. And in chapter 2, verse 20 of Ruth, she says, this is Naomi speaking, May Boaz be blessed of Yahweh, who has not withdrawn his hesed to the living and to the dead. And so Naomi recognizes that though she's lost so much, God's hesed to her is new through Ruth and through Boaz. All right, I have one more story uh, that I want to share. Uh, and this is from my own life. Uh, we had a great conversation as a staff on Tuesday as, we, as I just asked for some help preparing for this teaching, and folks were sharing some examples of hesed. And I was reminded of this couple um, from the church I grew up in. And I'm just going to read from my journal. So this is from January 8th, 2007. And I was was in Chicago uh, in the middle of mission year. I had moved to Chicago. It's how Jenny and I met, um, doing a volunteer program. And so I was support raising um, to help support me through this year uh, and help fund uh, mission year. Uh, And was on break for Christmas, got to go home and had visit, was visiting my home church. Um, and my home church was great in supporting me. Um, but it, this is what I wrote after uh, Sunday morning being there. Uh, Emery and Clarice Davis have been pillars at Faith Lutheran Church for longer than I even know. A sweet old couple with each standing only a little over five feet tall. Time had taken its toll on their physical bodies, but certainly not their minds or their faith. While age had diminished their physical strength, it had quite the opposite effect on their love for one another. They are the epitome of what marriage is and what it means to grow old together. 
But in November, time and age finally overtook Claris. On December 31st, someone handed me a small envelope. Inside was a check from Emery to help, as he put it, support my ministry for the Lord. Yesterday in church, I watched as Emery received help, walking to the altar to receive communion. Many thoughts filled my mind about this man's life. Gosh, I was practicing this so I wouldn't do this. Many thoughts filled my mind about this man's life and the numerous things he had lived through. As I continued to watch him, I couldn't help but notice a heaviness about him. A sorrow of one who is missing his beloved lifelong partner at his side. After the service, I wanted to thank Emery in person for his generous gift. By the time I was ushered out of church, he had already made his way to his car. So I knocked lightly on the window and opened the door. I reached out to shake his hand and thanked him for, the, for his gift. He nodded as he embraced my hand with tears in his eyes. In a trembling voice, he told me that it was something that he and Clarice wanted to do. I didn't think this was going to move me that much. Went much better in practice. Then in a moment, I don't think I will ever forget, and one that simultaneously humbled and honored me greatly, he kissed my hand and said, God bless you. What blows my mind is the tremendous has said that Emery and Clarice had in their marriage. Somehow God extended to me this 22-year-old kind of a punk. Somehow there has said, and God's has said for me, God extended to me through this beautiful, beautiful couple. I want to, yeah, just take a moment and pause and invite you to share with the neighbor next to you if there's any story that comes to mind for you. Maybe it's someone you know, maybe in its example, or maybe it's something real personal. Um, But I just want to give you a few minutes. If there's any story that comes to mind as you think about the the depth and the richness of this hesed love that God has for us, that'll give me a break to wipe these snot boogies from my mouth, too. All right. I, I... This is probably the hardest part is to try to cut people off and not because I want you to stop talking, but I sense there's some really meaningful stuff being shared in the midst of this. And so, yeah, if you need to continue the conversation later, um, please do so. Um, But as we've looked at poets and and prophets and apostles and what they have to say about Hesed, I want to turn our attention to the Messiah to Jesus, and there are probably lots and lots of different stories we could look at. Jesus demonstrating Hesed and certainly the arc of that story is deeply rooted in God's Hesed. John 3, 16, for God so Hesed 
the, the world that he gave his only son, his unique son, that we might have eternal life. But the story that came to mind for me is, is John 13. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 5, and, and if you can just, I just want to invite you to, to put yourself at the table as Jesus is sharing the Passover meal with his disciples, and, and just picture yourself at the table. It was just before the Passover festival and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So I just invite you to contemplate, to imagine yourself being there at the table. And you've witnessed Jesus performing miraculous things healing people, delivering people, feeding people. And you've become convinced that he is indeed the Messiah. He is God's one and only son. And as you're sitting there, he stands up and grabs the wash basin and a towel. And he takes off your shoes. And he takes off your socks. And he begins to wash your feet. As you look down at him and he looks up into your eyes. And as he's washing your feet, I want to invite you to hear these words that Jesus speaks to his disciples a little bit later. Just as he's gazing up into your face, hear him say this. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my hesed. Greater said has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends.
I invite our worship team up. Is, uh, yeah, just continue to dwell in that space. In the fullness of God's has said for you. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my hesed. God, as deep and as rich as this word hesed is, the reality is more than just words and good ideas. And so I pray that you would continue to take us on that journey from our head to our heart. To experience the height and the depth, the richness, the kindness, the goodness, the strength and security, the transformative power, the love of your hesed. How great is your hesed? How precious is your hesed? Amen.